0: Hey, thanks so much for being here. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. Number of undergraduates earning college degrees drops for the first time in a decade. It is the number of college under, undergraduates earning an AA or a BA or other credentials fell for the first time in a decade last year, according to a new report for the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. Undergraduate credential earners dropped by 1.6% in the academic year of 21 and 22, uh, the equivalent of 58,850. Fewer people compared to the year before. Most of the decline was caused by an unprecedented one-year loss of first-time graduates. This drop was the largest decline in the first time since 2012 or 2013. Uh, Credential earners have also received a prior award who declined. So um, there's a lot of people asking why is this happening, and I think it's a lot of people in education. I think, like other industries, education is changing. I think the technology has a lot to do with it. Um, we know that the K-12 through 12 level parents are seeing education differently. And I think that a lot of times the education system, like all other industries, have a hard time changing. There is nothing unique about the education industry. Um, I admire teachers the same way I admire police officers and firefighters. It's a calling. They don't do those jobs for the money. But that doesn't mean you don't have to pay them. I think teachers need to be paid. Um. It is something that should be honored. It's a profession that when you look back at the teachers that influence your life, I, I posted about this recently about some of the teachers that have influenced me most or who was it that influenced me most in, most in school. And I, so many people commented locally here and across the country that I'm friends with from my high school. It was a guy named Bill Geddes I'm still friends with on Facebook and we still interact. He was the dean of students in my school. He was a life changer for me. And uh, it was more after I got out of school than when I was in school. School. But we all understand, respect and admire and love those teachers that change our lives. But school is different. COVID-19 taught us that. Um, what's interesting about this is Randy Weingarten, who is the head of the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers. And I'll be honest, I think these major teachers unions are are a big part of the problem. That's my personal feeling that they are teachers unions. They're not student unions. They are standing up for the teachers, which is their job. I want to see teachers get paid. I want to see all of this. But their political clout, she is making claims. She's upset because somebody dared say that they tried to keep this schools closed. She said, we tried to open the schools. No, they didn't. They were a part of the planning with the Biden administration of keeping schools closed. And it backfired on them. And it backfired on them, and largely in Arizona, here and other places, because bad teachers were exposed. This isn't all teachers. It's not even most teachers. But bad teachers were exposed. You know as well as I do that there are people that don't belong in any profession, sometimes especially around children. How How many of you have ever worked with someone That talks about things that are inappropriate in the workplace. I'm not talking about dirty jokes and and I'm talking about their political views and they make everybody uncomfortable even if you're on their side of the aisle and they're aggressive with what they say and HR has to pull them in and say, hey, listen, do do us a favor. Keep your political views to yourself. You can't spout that here. You know what I mean? You're making people uncomfortable. People come to work to do their job. They don't want to get into a political argument with you. Please calm it down. We know that happens. It isn't unique to any industry. But when it happens in education and parents are doing it or watching it happen, they started pushing back. And when they were called domestic terrorists by the largest teacher or a school board organization in the country, they pushed back even harder and they had a right to. So now here in the state of Arizona, the superintendent of public instruction – and let me walk you through this. The superintendent of public instruction beat an incumbent Democrat for the office at a time where the majority of Republicans lost their race. In Arizona, in statewide races, Democrats had a very good election year. So you tell me that the Democrat stronghold, which has been education, if the superintendent lost in that race, it was either a stolen election or his platform was more attractive to parents who are now paying attention. So for all of you out there in education, I, I'm, I'm saying this sincerely as somebody that I hope we can come to a uh, consensus. You better learn your lesson lesson because the voters in Arizona elected Tom Horn for a reason. And it may have been they were unsatisfied with Kathy Hoffman or it may have been when he went to them and said, I'm going to make sure that school districts are held accountable. I'm going to make sure that you have an avenue. I'll set up a hotline that if you're having problems of what's going on in the classroom, there will be a number where you can be assured that it will be looked into. That was a platform. It was a part of his campaign. Well, he did it and now the teachers are furious about it. I'm arguing with teachers on social media. The teachers are not going to get the phone calls. So anyway, this system, I don't know the I don't know the full system and how it works, but it's not like teachers are going to be getting a phone call they're complaining about you. And I just said this to somebody else. When you have a problem, if you've ever had a problem in a restaurant with a waiter, what do you do? You say something. If you don't get any kind of satisfaction or worse yet you get an attitude in reply, you say I want to talk to your manager. And a manager comes over. And if you don't get satisfaction from the manager, what do you do? You call customer service. Every company I know has a customer service hotline. You can call in and you can have a discussion. If you fly somewhere, this happens in the airlines all the time. You fly somewhere, you get an attitude from a flight attendant or the flight attendant thinks you're giving them attitude or something happens and they lose your bags and then you go down to baggage claim and you try to find out and they've got an attitude. You end up on the phone with customer service and you say, listen, I fly your airline all the time. This shouldn't have happened. I want some satisfaction. Are every one of those complaints from the from the flyers are they are they a legitimate complaint? No, there are some people that you can never make happy, but does that mean they 're going to disconnect the hotline well now i got to be bothered i 've got to deal with these things all day and now i 'm being investigated by some frivolous no. This is such a joke that the pushback is so – like this is an affront to teachers. No, it isn't. I'll say something else. You have to be, be self-analyzing. Um, if school boards had treated parents nicer at the beginning, this wouldn't have happened. Had parents felt like they were getting the relief and attention that they thought they deserved from the beginning of this, they wouldn't have gone this route. They wouldn't have been this worked up. It is, it's like all of a sudden, everything was fine. Everything was fine in education while Kathy Hoffman was – and this is, not an, I'm not, this is not a knock against Miss Hoffman. She just happened to be the leader. But while she was in office, everything was fine in education. Everything was going along well. Kids were doing well in school. They were improving in their grades and academics. And all the parents were satisfied with the way schools were. Now we've got a Republican and this very vocal people, group of people out there – are just screaming about education and they they are the ones that are the problem. That's not true. That's just not true. And everybody out there, you need to start evaluating why is this important to some people. It's important because when they tried to make their voices heard, their voices weren't heard. And when it comes to their children, it's different when you have a problem with a waitress or a waiter or a bartender or a a, a package. You hang up and you tell all your friends how angry you were about the whole thing. When it's happening with your children, you become an activist. And that's what's been created. Treat people nicer. That's what should happen. Coming up in just a moment, we get you uh, caught up on all of the biggest stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? Stick around for it. Coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch you up on those big, big headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
1: Some Arizona senators have put together a bill to get tougher on fentanyl distributors. A proposed bill would charge fentanyl dealers with first-degree murder if someone uses their drug, overdoses, and dies. Do you like this idea?
0: I like the idea of holding them accountable for more than drug dealing. I don't know, and I'm not a lawyer, but first-degree murder, there's got to be proven, premeditation and some other things. But if they know, if they are on notice, that what you are dealing in in is poison, and we are going to treat it like poison, you are poisoning somebody with this stuff, and they die. You are going to see stiffer penalties. I am a hundred percent behind anything that teaches the lesson to other Americans. If you are a part of a system that's poisoning Americans, you're going to go to prison for a long time. I think it's terrific. <laughs>
1: There has been an influx of migrant crossings at the northern border.
0: U.S. officials report a growing number of migrants crossing into the country. One sector of the tri-state area says there has been a 743 percent increase in illegal border crossings in the last year and a half.
1: Should we start allocating more resources toward the northern border?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, is this? And again, I I ask these questions as a civilian. Are we seeing just a new tactic by the cartels? Are the cartels getting people into? Canada and coming in that way because it's less of a focus at that border. I don't know the answer to that question. So I guess that's the first question, is why are we seeing an uptick of tenfold at the northern border? But absolutely, wherever the case is, I think the world needs to know, A, you're welcome to come, but B, you have to do it the right way. That message must be sent consistently. So I don't care if it's the northern border or the southern border, we've got to fix the issue. You are listening to Did You Hear This. We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big stories.
1: Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen spoke on the GOP's debt ceiling plan that would prioritize which existing bills to pay off isn't her favorite idea. It would be an exceptionally risky, untested, and radical departure from normal payment practices of agencies across the federal government. Do you agree or disagree with her?
0: I agree. You know, I, All of this talk and what we're going to do and how we're going to fix this situation, I just think... In- In the end, it's got to be worked out in a different way. And all these little tricks and gimmicks, I don't know that I agree because I don't know enough about that industry. But what I do know is the dysfunction of not working together is what all Americans pay for. And the parties in charge, whether it's the Republicans now in the House or it's the White House controlled by the Democrats, the American citizens have a right to see our government work better than it's working right now.
1: Canyon University faces off against Gonzaga today in the NCAA March Madness tournament. But they had some trouble practicing due to a major traveling blunder.
0: They arrived in Denver Wednesday only to realize their luggage with their bags, uniforms, athletic gear, is nowhere to be found.
1: Do you have an airport travel horror story?
0: Oh, do I have a horror story? Not really a horror story. Um, I, I'll give you one, just one. This, this is not horrible, but I was traveling back from Cleveland when Trump was nominated, and I was covering it. I was working at the convention, or I was you know doing the radio show from the convention, and um, uh, Southwest Airlines had that big computer glitch. And we all had the app for our flights, and we were all sitting around and checking our flight, and all of a sudden on my app, it said my flight had been canceled. And so I went to the desk where, the, where my gate was, and the gate agent, there were two of them there. This guy was absolutely out of his mind rude. And um, he said, well, we don't, it's not showing on our computers that it's canceled. And I said, but everybody, because now people are showing up at the gate. Everybody here has got it on their app. And they said, well, there's nothing we can do until the flight's officially canceled. I said, okay. And so he said, I need you to go and sit down. And by this time, there was a line 50 people deep. And I said, so I want to sit down until you say it's canceled. And then I got to get at the back of this line. And he said, if you don't sit down right now, I'm calling the police. I I hadn't even raised my voice. And the guy standing next to me said, he's just asking a question. So I laughed and I stood to the side and a woman went to the counter and said, I've got three kids. Are you going to schedule me on another flight? He says, no, we're not scheduling on another flight. She began to cry. I can't afford a hotel and I've got three kids. What am I going to do? He says, well, we're not scheduling you on another flight. Now, I want to be fair. This isn't typical behavior for people for Southwest, but this happened. Two minutes later, here comes Cleveland PD. They pushed a button or did whatever. Here comes Cleveland PD. And now I'm standing there, and I said to this officer, I would never do anything to get you involved. Do me a favor. Just watch what's going. And the two cops stood there and watched how these guys were treating people. And they said, we get it. And they walked away. So that's my closest thing to a horror story, was just one person behaving badly in the industry. I fly American Airlines 90% of the time. They have been fantastic to me throughout most of the processes. But that's my one beef. And I know there's people out there with much worse stories. And uh, you're flying today, so I wish, you the, uh, <laughs> I wish you the best, not only with the weather you're flying into, but with the service you're going to get on the airlines. Many thanks. Yeah, so uh, do you want to tell us what airline you're flying american oh good you'll be fine terminal four yeah terminal four go eat it go eat at the um at the four peaks all right go eat at the four peaks try the beer bread it is amazing food if you're going to travel through terminal four always try four peaks all right that's did you hear this great job julia So there we go. We got it in the can for another week. We'll do it again. We'll start on Monday morning. Um, I think we all have some kind of a horror story with flights. Oh, I thought of another one. Can I tell you one more? This one was bad. This was a bad one. And it was American. I got another airline. So I flew. It was the dumbest flight I ever took. I flew from Phoenix to Dallas, Dallas to Miami, which flies right over my hometown, only to get on one of those little puddle jumper planes to fly back to Sarasota, which crossed over Fort Myers and was still another drive to my house. But I had to take the flight because they had my luggage. Well, I got on this little puddle jumper plane and they were overbooked. And what scares me about those little planes is, you know, they balance them with the luggage. You know that, right? So they weigh the plane and they make sure it's balanced. That scared me a little bit. But the uh, flight attendant or somebody came on and said um, – it was new, It was Christmas Eve, by the way. Um, we've overbooked the flight, and we need a volunteer to take a later flight. Well, nobody's doing that on Christmas Eve. So she said, well, what we're going to have to do is we're going to pull whoever paid uh, the most for their ticket Whoever got their ticket last or paid the most for their ticket or least for their ticket, whoever paid the least for their ticket is going to have to get off the flight. And I said just to myself basically, well, that's not me because I paid a lot of money for my ticket. She looked at me and said, if I say it to you, it'll be you. And I laughed in her face. And I said, I said that because I paid so much for my ticket. I'm not getting off this plane. And I didn't. They left me on the plane, flew to Sarasota. My baggage got lost. They didn't have my baggage. <laughs> what a shock. What a, and this was not a big plane. This was not a big plane. So I brought it on myself. Should have kept my mouth shut. So the poor guy on Christmas Eve, somebody had to drive 90 miles from Sarasota on Christmas Eve with my baggage when they finally got it all the way to Fort Myers. So that's my two stories. All right. That's my complaining. Coming up in a moment is the key to clo- lower crime rates legislation or enforcement or both. Talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Happy Friday. We are one minute closer and just a little closer to our weekend and to March Madness continuing, which I think is terrific. And I'm not even a huge fan basketball fan in general. I love college sports, but I'm a college football guy. Um, but I like basketball. I just don't know a whole lot about the game. I mean, I'm 5'7 on a good day with a 4-inch vertical. What do I know about basketball? <laughs> um, I was a wrestler, too. We hated basketball. We shared a season. But... Um, I'm looking forward to GCU today against Gonzaga. I want to see if they can hang with the big boys, and I would love to see ASU continue this big streak of theirs and uh, and beat TCU. That would be very cool to see happen. Uh, we'll see. It should be a fun day. But let's get back to the topic at hand. Uh, we've been t- I've been talking crime and punishment for a long time, and I mentioned earlier I watched a documentary. So if you're going to listen to the podcast, I don't want to repeat the stories over and over again, but. Um, The similarities between watching a documentary about the late 1970s, early – night, or through the 1980s with the cocaine cowboys. That's what it was called. The similarity to law enforcement troubles that they were having, to the money that was being generated, to the murders that were happening because of the money, but the growth of the cartels and then the murderous ways and the deaths that were happening. They don't talk a whole lot in here about overdoses. That's the one place that's not as similar as we're seeing with – Fentanyl, but they did say that cocaine deaths you would have one or two a year, and then there was a one or two happening a month, and it went up from there. But in general, the law enforcement part of this the violence part of it, and being cartels, this was the Colombians. Now there were Cubans involved in this as well, but the Colombians were overtaking everything when it came to cocaine, and it was done through violence and terrorist tactics. It's why they called them narco-terrorists. So what are we going to do? And I say we, because we do live in a society, whether you're a part of it or not, we live in a society that when it works the way it's supposed to, we elect leaders that are gonna do the things we know are most important. That you have a candidate that says, I want to be elected to the city council or I want to be elected to the county board of supervisors or the state legislature or the United States Congress because I want to go and champion this cause or these causes. I want to stand on these platforms. And I will tell you for me locally. Everybody says, because it fits on everybody's sign, public safety first. Everyone wants to be endorsed by the firefighters. Everyone wants to be endorsed by the police departments. But are they truly putting that best foot forward? How many of us don't even think about the prosecutors? You know, what kind of staffing issues? And I don't know the answer to this. This is me again. I'm being a part of the problem. I don't know what the staffing issues are like in the prosecutor's office in the city of Phoenix. I have no idea. No clue. No clue. Do they have staffing issues? We understand that part of the issue in the county attorney's office, um, when Rachel Mitchell took over that office and then got elected to that office, part of the issue was a division between them and, and some people in law enforcement because there were cases that were being made that were never prosecuted because a statute of limitation ran out, that they had a staffing issue. And they've done a lot of work to try to fill spots inside the office. But, you know, you think about a crime being committed against you, any kind of a crime. If the reason why they don't prosecute is because they don't have and they'll never say to you, it's because we don't have the staff to do it. But you'll hear this. We don't have a reasonable expectation of conviction. If that's part of this, it's infuriating. It's happened to me. I've been that victim. They did end up prosecuting that case. Well, they didn't have to prosecute it. What they were able to do was the guy pled guilty to both charges of aggravated assault and shoplifting. But um, had I not had a voice on, on radio, I might not have gotten any satisfaction. And I might have stood there looking like an idiot while this punk, and he may have changed his life, and I hope he turned his life around. But at the time, he was a punk and wanted to fight, and I wouldn't fight the guy. I kept him away from me till the cops got there because I didn't want to punch him. There was no point in doing any of that. Let the police handle it, and I let them handle it. And the guy walked away. Forget it. Um, You know, and there's uh, there's an issue. Matter of fact, if you remember the old Dirty Harry movies in the 1970s and 80s, that was a key corner with with him uh, with, with with Harry Callahan in San Francisco was he was the guy that just hated the criminals and even when the justice system was letting people go, he got justice. That's why those movies are so popular. You know in real life we can't do those things. You know in real life that a police officer isn't getting out of a hot dog shop and shooting four bank robbers and then 30 minutes later he's back in the office back to fighting crime. We understand that. But in the fantasy world we live in, we all love to see the criminals get what they deserve. But what are, what are we going to do? Are we electing people that are as focused on these issues once they get in office as they say it's on their campaign signs? You know, I'd be interested and I know they're not allowed to talk about it in an official capacity. I would love to know what the majority of police officers and firefighters think of leadership in the places where they work. Who are the people specifically that they feel really have the backs of public safety? And it really is a good question. I think, as a matter of fact, I think it's a great question. Who has the backs of public safety? Because in the end, it affects you and I, the cities we live in. Um, Florida, and one of the things they went through in this cocaine cowboy time period, late 70s through the 80s, was that, the beaches of Florida was the tourism that drove their economy. Now they had this huge booming economy in the Miami area with you know billions of dollars in drug money building businesses and it collapsed when they were able to get rid of the cartels or at least put a big hole in them. But in the meantime, their tourism business suffered mightily. It was seen around the country and around the world as one of the most dangerous places to be. Miami was one of the most dangerous places on the planet. Families quit going. It was taken over by the cocaine cowboys. Well, you look at Arizona and how much we rely on tourism. You look at Arizona and how much we love it. You look at our friends to the south. You look at all the people that are this weekend going to spend the weekend down in Rocky Point. They have businesses, they have condos, they have homes. They spend time down there. Well, if it's it's viewed as a place that's unsafe, What does that do to the commerce, not just of our country, but theirs? So history is repeating itself. We're at the earlier stages of it. But how can we not – anybody that is a student of history, how can you not look at the similarities of the narco-terrorists in the 1970s and 80s and the boom of cocaine and what we're seeing now with fentanyl and at least not look at what was the solution at least back then to part of the problem? All right, we've got one more, one more segment before we close it out, so stick around here for a few more moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, quickly, let's take a poll. You two in there. um, I want to know from you two, uh, ASU or TCU? Sun Devils baby You think so I'm hoping so Okay but do you think so that I'm not sure. Okay, but you think they've got a good chance
1: if they ride the
0: high of last game? Oh my gosh, ninety eight hung ninety eight points on the VAT. I don't care who you're playing in that tournament. That was the hot. What was it? Wasn't it the most points ever in a play-in game? It's the
1: most points they've scored in the first half all season.
0: Yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. So a great run. I mean, as long as they roll in there with confidence and know that they can, they can, they can hang with TCU. Yeah. They can beat them. Yeah, sure. And then how about the other one? What do you think about GCU and Gonzaga? Do you do you it, 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 are you are, are, are you someone that would say I just want to see them keep it close or do you think we could see a Princeton U of A
1: uh, I don't know. Possible? I think it's possible, but I would be. I would. I would lean more Gonzaga on this.
0: Yeah. I mean, Mike, we could see a Kennesaw State Xavier right now. Kennesaw State could possibly beat Gonzaga, yeah. so anything's possible. Yeah, I guess it's all possible. I yes, guess, that's the fun thing about this tournament, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's what I love about March Madness. And again, I'm one of those very casual fans. I don't fill out a bracket because I don't know what I'm talking about. The big important game for me is my Miami Hurricanes against Drake. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Everybody keeps talking. About What a great team, Drake, is Miami laid an egg against Duke in the final, the conference final. Uh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about my boys. And so I'm I'm a horrible fan. And I'll tell you how I'm a horrible fan. If things are going poorly, I shut the TV off and walk away for a while because I, I can't. I, it, it, it emotionally affects me. Good for you. I'm serious. I
1: let myself sit through the misery. I,
0: oh, I, I don't. I, I go, when I, when I go to Cardinals games, when I you was know, a season ticket holder, when it's bad, I'm out. When, and it's not just to beat traffic. I can't sit there and do it. I can't look at other fans cheering for their team in my stadium. Can't do it. As a Miami Hurricane, and we've had a lot of this in the last few years, when my team's doing well, I always go back to the game, but I shut it off because it's making, when I realize I'm at home by myself, angry, I got to turn the TV off. It's like this isn't fun anymore.
1: Well, that would happen to me with the Jets all the time. There was when the Jets lost to the Patriots on that kick return for a touchdown. I sat on the couch for two hours just brooding to myself. Yeah.
0: So, so are you? Are you one of the people on the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon, or do you not want to talk about that?
1: I am not on the bandwagon. You're not. Yeah, which is actually most Jet fans are. I'm very much in the minority on that.
0: Okay. We'll see. I, I would say he's an upgrade if you get him.
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I'm just extremely worried about the other stuff that he brings. You know, the drama queen. He can't handle the media. He has to have things his own way. New York's not going to put up with that.
0: See, he thinks he had a good Green Bay. Wait until he gets to New York with that media. Remember, you know, it's funny. I, I know, I know some people that know Randy Johnson, and he's changed quite a bit, which I'm happy to hear. You know, but when he was a player, he was a little tough to get along with in the minds of a lot of people. He did not deal with the media very well. And when Randy Johnson, it was a famous line. He went to the Yankees if. You remember in New York and he said to a reporter, don't talk to me and they ate him alive. I don't think that most people are prepared for the difference in media in different places. And there's nothing like it like it is in Philadelphia and New York. It's and Los Angeles, yeah. But I think that even in Los Angeles, the fans are a little bit more forgiving of the franchises. In Philadelphia, they boo Santa Claus. I mean, they really do. They take pride in the hatred from the stands. Am I wrong? No, you are totally right. They they love. They don't care who you are, man. It's like it's when you go to the Open here, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It's like no other golf tournament because when you're playing 16, if you hit a good shot. You you feel like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You make a hole in one. There's water bottles coming from miles away onto the green. It's a huge cheer fest. But if you hit a bad shot and miss the green, they boo you mercilessly from tea to green. It's, it's, so it, it, you got to get used to that world, right? You have to want that.
1: it's it's a tough thing
0: it is it is tough but it's fun to watch I don't know if I I think I would be a little intimidated on 16T if just playing in the Pro-Am I think I'd be nervous Um, anyway um, I hope you've got a great weekend planned I wanted to spend a couple of minutes just talking about March Madness because it's such a fun part of the year and um, so I hope uh, I'm going to watch the games today for sure I'm going to want to watch the boys win. Um, I hope ASU is able to pull it out. And again, I'm not a hater for any team in Arizona. I was sorry to see University of Arizona, the, the Cats, lose. But now that they're out, let's see if ASU can't be one of those Cinderella teams that goes deep into this thing. And who knows, maybe even GCU pulled off that miracle win against their uh, against their mentors, or at least the people that they are trying to emulate in Gonzaga. Um, if you're a social media user, now's the time to follow me for the weekend. At Broomed KTAR is my personal Twitter account. You can Interact with me personally at, at Broomhead KTAR, but also follow at Broomhead Show because it updates you on the things we do on the show, guesting and other stuff that's coming up. So please follow both. And if you're an Instagram user, I love Instagram. I love all the snarky memes on Instagram. You can find me at Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. That's where you can find me. We'll be back on Monday morning beginning at uh, just a little after 8 o'clock. So I hope you got a great weekend planned. Have a great St. Patrick's Day. Please, please, please be safe. Don't drink and drive. Have a great weekend. God bless.